What's up? It's another week of the Triple Option. Blair Gunther here with Mike Monday and Kurt Studebaker. So I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but there was actually a pretty big sporting event this past weekend. Wait, what? The Super Bowl? Have you heard of it? I think, isn't that like a like a lacrosse thing or something? Definitely a lacrosse thing. (laughs) All right, so the big things from the Super Bowl were obviously the blackout and basically the last stand, I guess. So do you guys think the blackout played an effect on the game? No, not, not not on the players. I mean, they're professionals. They're paid a whole lot of money to do this. Games are delayed sometimes. Um, you know, commercial breaks are in there in every game. The blackout was obviously longer than your standard commercial break, but they're paid to do that. They're paid to deal with that sort of stuff. I don't think it was a huge deal. What do you think, Kurt? Yeah, I completely agree. There's an argument about the Baltimore Ravens offense since they're off the field for such a long period of time. But just like the game against Atlanta, I mean, San Francisco showed signs of being able to move the ball in the first half. And I, when I had talked to Mike about this during the Atlanta game. I was expecting at least some sort of rally in the second half, but it wasn't surprising to me. I think the blackout, the timing of it was just kind of incidental. Yeah, I got to agree. I, that argument you're talking about with the just being off the field maybe a little bit longer, I don't think it drastically altered their game. I think it might play a little bit of a factor because, I mean, if you think about the Baltimore offense was off the field, what, like an hour and a half with it the halftime show? Yeah. So I think it just might have been weird adjustment, but... The comeback would have happened regardless, I think. Right, San Francisco right. is a good team. There's a reason they're the Super Bowl. Yep, that's very true. Very uh, true. Branching off of that, do you guys think that that left like a black mark for the NFL? No. I mean, the story's come out. I haven't read the read a lot of the stuff that's come out. It was one guy, right, who rigged it up, and he was kind of in control of everything. That Maybe it was just some conspiracy story. So, Kurt, what do you think? Black mark on the NFL? I don't think so. And the NFL suits have said that it's not going to affect... New Orleans hosting for future Super Bowls. I mean, a half hour, it actually made the NFL more money, buying concessions, they had an extra set of commercials. I mean, it's all kind of irrelevant to me. I'm surprised it's been talked about as much as it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only, the reason it's a huge story is because it's a major malfunction at one of the most tightly guarded events in the U.S. all year round. Yeah. I mean, this, the security of the Super Bowl is just off the charts. Yeah, that's true. So... And the okay, so the other thing at the Super Bowl is the last, I guess, last play, but the last stand, so to speak, down on the goal line. Do you guys think it was a penalty? Did uh, I think it was Jimmy Smith for the Ravens hold Michael Crabtree? Ugh, I defensive holding and that sort of thing is just like it's. I mean, it happens every play. You know, it obviously is going to be huge on that. I, I think that he probably held him, but it wasn't. It wasn't called earlier in the game necessarily, or in any game really. You know. I'm glad you brought that up because I that I 100% agree with that. From what I've read or listened to, it's that's how the game was being called the whole time, so you can't really call out one play, especially since it was at the end. And my philosophy personally, coming from a family of sports nuts, is you can't blame the refs. If San Francisco doesn't let themselves get down by 22 points, then it's not on the refs to make that call. Yeah, that is a huge... Yeah, I People that complain about refs are the worst. <laughs> I've been guilty of it in my life, but... I've seen the light, and yeah, you can't blame the refs for anything. What do you think, Kurt? Yeah, uh, I agree. And we, we've we've talked about this before, especially on late game plays, last minute kind of stuff. They're going to let that kind of stuff go. You're going to be forced to make the play. I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. That's the way it's been for a while now. And though I think that there was holding on the play, I, I like the fact that they didn't throw a flag. The refs left it up to the players to play the game. It's a good point. Uh, I mean, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that San Francisco let themselves get into that position. Yeah, yeah. 
Just one last thing on the Super Bowl. We talked about the coaches' rankings going into the Super Bowl on our last podcast, and I had John Harbaugh at three and Jim at one, and I'm not going to change them. I think they're both probably about the same. I believe you guys both had Jim at one, and I think, Mike, you had John at five. Five, I do believe. So does he move up for you now that he's won the Super Bowl? Yeah, he does. He's he's at three for me now, right behind Jim and Belichick. Okay, and Kurt, I think you had him at four, right? I think so. Uh, and I think I had Peyton at three. I don't remember now, but I, I don't. I don't really want to move him. Fair enough. I thought that Jim pretty clearly demonstrated at halftime better adjuster. Yeah. Game time strategy. So I, I'm content leaving him at four for now. Okay. Fair enough. Sure. All right. So uh, getting off the Super Bowl, talking about coaches, we had a lot of new hirings this off season. Talk about that Whole a little bunch. bit. Going down alphabetically, first one's Arizona Cardinals. Ken Wisenhut has been dismissed, replaced by Bruce Arians, the OC of the Colts. First reactions, Mike? You know, I liked Ken Wisenhut a lot, but I think it was one of those situations where he was clearly not going any further with them. He had, I don't want to say worn out his welcome because he's been there a while and has done an excellent job there, but it just wasn't working out anymore. I like Bruce Arians a lot. Uh, I think that he had a huge, I mean, obviously had a huge part in the Colts turnaround this year, but don't know how much of it was the emotional story plus the Colts having just the easiest schedule I've ever seen in my life. So it remains to sort of be seen how he's going to do leading the way. Kurt, you got a rebuttal as a Colts fan? <laughs> you know, actually, I'm going to be more anti-Arians than Mike was. I think the 9-3 and record that he had was a huge result of the schedule that they played. Teams in those 12 games had a combined winning percentage of 41%, Oof. Uh, 34 games under 500. And the three losses, two of those three teams with a winning record that they played, you know, they got absolutely smoked by New England. The Houston game, they only got beat by 12, but this, it was a lot more of a blowout than the score suggested. And they got absolutely torched by Mark Sanchez, of all people. Oh, that's And Tebow just... scored in that game, too. That wow. hurts. That hurts a lot. The, the one thing I do like about Arians is his experience in Pittsburgh with both uh, under both Cower and Tomlin. He was there for all of those Super Bowl runs as the wide receivers coach and then the offensive coordinator. And I think that's uh, some excellent experience that he's got as well. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh is one of the class organizations mm-hmm. in the NFL, and they've been doing it for quite a while. I mean, and they had success with Wisenhut, who was also a Pittsburgh guy when they hired him. Sure. I think that uh, I'm assuming he signed a four- or five-year contract. I don't think he'll make that contract because I think if he doesn't flip the offense immediately, maybe not this first year, but that's going to be the big thing. The defense was good last year. The offense was terrible. Yeah, yeah. So you don't think he's going to make it through four or five years in unless, Arizona? Unless he finds success. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's fair for any coaching position in the NFL anymore. No, but I just I think he's going to be on a real short leash. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, he hasn't really proven himself, I don't think, as a coach. And there's not a whole lot going on out there in Arizona. So I don't, I don't expect him to last the length of his contract. Okay. Wow. I agree. Unfortunately, because I, I like the guy, and I thought he did a great job. Yeah. I mean, but he'll bounce back. I agree with Mike. It was a weak schedule. And there's an emotional aspect. All right. It's all about moving up so you turn what you can into something better. Yeah, that's very, very true. All right, moving on to one of the poorest, I think, franchises in the NFL over the last 15 years, maybe. Mm -hmm. When was Jim Kelly done? (laughs) Buffalo Bills got rid of Chan Gailey and bring in Doug Marone, the former coach of Syracuse. Now, I don't know a lot about this guy. I think it was kind of surprising that he was the first college coach to come out of the NCAA in the NFL. And I believe he also brought his offensive coordinator from Syracuse with him, too. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. The offense in Buffalo 
has talent. The defense has been an issue, even though they spent a bunch of money. And Buffalo's just kind of been perennially bad for the past five, six years. Even though they get off to these hot starts, they start 5-0 and and everybody's like, oh, they're going to change this year. And then they tank. I don't know. Mike, what do you think? You know, I don't think you can get much worse than Changeli. So I think he's going to be an upgrade in some way. However, I don't like the complete lack of experience that he has as a head coach. He's never he's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for two years before he went to Syracuse. He was with the Saints right when Peyton came in, I do believe. I think so. Right around there. And uh, then he went to Syracuse, was the head coach there. And now he's hopping on the bills. And I mean, they you said that the offense does have some talent. There's there are some good players there. And Changeli wasn't using them correctly. But, man, the, the lack of experience gets to me, I think. He, I think in a job like Buffalo, where there's just so much turmoil, you need someone who is very confident in their abilities, has been there and done it before. I think that Marone, Marone could be an excellent coach, but I don't think the Buffalo's the right job for him. Quick question for you. Uh, you know, One of the big off-seasons for them is do they keep Fitzpatrick? Because yeah. the Syracuse QB, who I think was a four-year starter, yeah. is obviously in the draft this year he graduated do they keep fitzpatrick do they get a different qb do they get the syracuse qb what do you think is i mean is fitzpatrick's contract up no okay so i think that i think what they do if at all possible is keep fitzpatrick draft the draft the kid from syracuse maybe let fitzpatrick start start next year through training camp but then sort of with the knowledge that this kid is going to come in and, and play all right kurt what are your thoughts on the hiring yeah, this one definitely puzzled me a little bit, too. I mean, it's Buffalo, so they can't expect to go out and get a big-name coach. But they needed to get someone in here who had more experience. And this guy didn't even have any success that at Syracuse, really. I mean, did all right this past year. You know, they, they, ended up, they ended up tying for the conference win, right? I think there was like a three- or four-way tie in terms of conference record. I think Cuse was up there. They beat, they not only beat, I think they handed uh, Louisville pretty comfortable loss in Q's late in the season. Yeah, I, I believe that Louisville was the representative in the BCS game, but I think it was pretty close. The, the Big East was a mess this year. Yeah, it I mean, was that's not, not, very good. not a great football conference. No. And two of his seasons, he'd break 500. Yeah. But I, this is another one where I just expect the revolving door to continue to revolve. Yeah. I think that uh, maybe some of this decision was made because there's this kid coming out. I don't even know his name. Uh, Nesbitt, I think, is his yeah, last name. But he's a pretty talented guy. Maybe they're bringing him in with the coach. Like, they're bringing the coach in with the knowledge that they're going to draft this kid. And hopefully, you know, you get a you get a coach and a quarterback with a good relationship like Belichick Brady or, or uh, you know, Dungy Manning. You're going to have some success, even if the rest of your pieces aren't the best. We talked about this off mic, and I, I know if I don't mention it, he's going to be upset. I believe Buffalo hired the Jets' defensive coordinator, and my brother is a big fan of this hire, specifically from this year alone, with Daryl Rivas out, and that offense just absolutely putrid. Mm-hmm. That defense was still really good. So with the big money they spent on defensive talent this past offseason, my brother personally really liked that hire. You know, the Jets have had a good defense for a while. Um, and it's it's got to be on that on um, their DC. But I think that your brother was a little bit too optimistic about Cuse. I think uh, and and uh, Marone. I think he picked Buffalo as his surprise team, right? When we I think talked he, about this. He, yeah, I think that he may have even had them challenging for the playoffs, which I just think is a little bit silly. Well, I mean, in that division, the Patriots are going to win, but 
wild card. I yeah. Moving on. Yeah, moving, please. Moving forward to my family's team, and I'm going to defer to start with. The Chicago Bears let go of Lovey Smith. This one's kind of been, I think, the most criticized move thus far. Mm-hmm. And bring in Mark Tretzman from the CSL. I'm going to defer to Mike first on this one. Okay. I like Tressman. I liked Lovey Smith a lot. I'm not a I'm not a huge Chicago fan, but I think that Lovey Smith was a good coach, and Mark Tressman has got some big shoes to fill. Uh, I think that he can do it though. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He's been around for a very very long time, and I think that he has a chance to come in and and kind of turn around Jay Cutler. He's been sort of known as the quarterback whisperer or something like that. Um, and Cutler is one of those guys who with the right tutelage, could be great. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite quarterback, but he could be, you know, really, really excellent and lead an offense, a playoff offense. What do you think, Kurt? You know, I wasn't a huge fan of getting rid of Lovey Smith. did great things there, and and this hire, I hated it at first, but after looking into his past some more, maybe he's got a shot. He did some great things in the CFL. Now, granted, it's the CFL, but he did win two titles, and I think he lost a third one in the four years that he was there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's a good track record. But when you're replacing someone like Lovey Smith, this seems like, even from the most optimistic standpoint, the sideways move at best. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I, I think I really like the the quarterbacks that he's worked with in his time. He worked with Steve Young, uh, worked with Rich Gannon in the Super Bowl year, worked with Philip Rivers, I do believe, at NC State, or was that after? Uh, that is a good question. I think actually, you know what? Now that you mentioned, wasn't that, Rivers drafted in like oh five? That might be the right year. It's close. It was right around there. He worked with Plummer too. His career. Wow. Years. Yeah, going back a ways. So I mean, that's definitely some. There's definitely some some names that he's worked with there, and I think hopefully for Bears fans, he can do the same thing with Color. All right. My take, I like this hiring. I get the Lovey Smith criticism. My attitude is this. If he would have been brought back one more year, I would have had a problem with it. The issue is that I think if you bring him back, Mike Tice was done as OC. He was absolutely awful. And so they ran into this issue before Mike Tice where Lovey was kind of a lame duck coach and all they could get was Mike Martz and that didn't really pan out too well. So I think they decided to just go in a completely new direction. The guys have touched on it. I like his past experience as well. He's had a lot of success working with different QBs and them being career successful in the years that he's been with them. He also worked under Jim Johnson as a coach at Miami, which is a pretty good coach to work with as well. The big thing that I like too, Kurt's talking about his success in the CFL. I think this past season, two or one or two of his top wide receivers or a top wide receiver and running back went down and he scrapped the offense like two weeks in and changed it completely to uh, his tight ends, which were, I guess, his next best receiving threats. And they made it all the way to the championship. They didn't win, but he was able to adjust on the fly. I like the hire because I think he's going to do some good things with the offense, which has finally found some talent. That's also my big criticism for Levy Smith. The defense was good. I don't think the offense was better than 15th under his nine-year oh. tenure. So. Yeah, that's not... I mean, you were dealing with Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton, but... I mean, there was subpar talent. Uh, Jerry Angelo deserves a lot of criticism as yeah. a poor GM, but Lovey also brought in the OCs that couldn't get it done, Very especially true. these past few years with Jay Cutler. Mm-hmm. So that's just my take on it. I like the hiring. I think it's a bit of an unknown, and I guess it could not go very well because he doesn't have any NFL coaching experience, head coaching experience, but I personally like the hire. All right, let's go ahead and move on um, from Chicago. We're going to go in- into Cleveland, which is just the best city in America. And uh, Pat Shermer is out there, and Rob Chudzinski is in. What do you think, Kurt? You know, I didn't know a whole lot about this guy other than that he he spent a decent amount of time 
bouncing around the league. I mean, he's been with Cleveland before yep. and San Diego as well in the Panthers. Yeah. And Cam Newton had his, you know, great rookie season. So he's got some things going for him, but when you're the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, you really don't have anything going for you. That's true. I don't know, what do you think, Mike? Um we we talked about this at some point. He seems like a ladder climber to me. He's been a tight ends coach, changed teams, was still the tight ends coach, and then went back to be the OC in Cleveland in 07, 08, and has just kind of been working his way up slowly, and it seems like he's more, I mean, I guess it's one way of creating your career, but he's been trying to, he's been jumping so fast, he's never been in a team more than, never been with an NFL team more than two years, I think. So, you know, he hasn't really had a chance to sort of make his mark on anything and i don't know that that's necessarily a good thing because we don't even know what kind of a coach he is really yeah he was the oc there when cam newton had a great rookie year he was also the oc there when cam newton had last year which was not a good year so who knows how much of that is just cam newton being either great or terrible so yeah i don't i don't think we know anything about him really this is uh, my least favorite coaching hire out of all the hirings we're going to talk about today. Mostly because of what Mike just said. He's never really sustained success because he's never been anywhere long enough to sustain success. And two, uh, we kind of criticized uh, Marone for his lack of experience. This guy has been a tight end coach most of his coaching career, has had a few years as an OC, and the teams that he was with are not that impressive. He was with Cleveland and Carolina. I mean, he was fired as the OC and brought back pretty much, what, four years later to be the head coach? Yeah. Saying that, his two coordinators, I think, are the two best hires this offseason. They got Ray Horton from the Cardinals for the Browns, who have, I think, a lot of young defensive talent, and then they brought in Norv Turner, who has a very long track record as an OC, which I think is good. The issue is that I didn't like the Brandon Whedon pick. I mean, you draft a rookie who's 28 years old, how long are you really going to be successful? Yeah, yeah. I think that was... Uh, they've they've done replaced everyone there, right? Yeah, the, all the yeah, way the up. Whole office is gone. Yeah, that I think was... I think even the owners were switched, right? I I do believe so. Um, so I think maybe I mean it's it's the Cleveland Browns, so I don't think we can expect too much. But you know maybe the new ownership will come in, the new GM, everyone will come in and maybe gets a little bit a little bit of success there. Uh, a well run front office would help Chudzinski a lot. That's true. The issue is also that they probably play in the toughest division in all of football. Yeah, that's, I mean, they're easily the worst team there. And Cincinnati, the next worst team is, you know, a, a playoff contender. contender. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a debate right now between, if you look at right now, I think Cincinnati's probably better than Pittsburgh. Yeah, maybe. You might be right, Close. yeah. Like right now, right now. Yeah, like literally today. But yeah, I don't, that's that's an argument for another time. It is an argument for another time. So, but yeah, I think that we all kind of agree this is um, not not really a known hire. I think Mike touched on a really good point. I think if the front office is good, I think they gave him two really good coordinators. So I think he has tools to be successful, but it would seem to be a ladder climber. So how long is he really going to be in Cleveland if they find success? Very true. All right, let's go ahead and move on. We are in Jacksonville now, another franchise that is struggling a lot. Uh, Mike Malarkey is out, and Gus Bradley, former Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator, is in. What do you think, Blair? You know, it's hard not to at least moderately like this hiring, I think, because Seattle's defense, I mean, is it, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, I believe this guy's the only defensive background coach that's hired this offseason, I believe. I think the rest are all offensive coaches. Same thing with Cleveland, or I guess unlike Cleveland. I think Cleveland actually has some talent. I think Jacksonville pretty much has nothing. I think the team is super barren. 
And the issue is that I, they had a big ownership change too, which I think is part of, or a front office change, which I think is part of this hiring because Mike Malarkey had one season, I believe. Oh, yeah, I believe so. And so I don't. I think this guy. I think this guy's going to suffer or not suffer. He's going to be. He's going to be given the benefit of the doubt and be allowed to kind of try and shape it, like Pete Carroll did in Seattle. He pretty much set, like I said, set a record for transactions. I think that uh, Gus Bradley's going to be given some time to try and rework this team because I just. I don't think they have talent. No, there's not a lot there. You don't like Blaine Gabbert. I absolutely do not like Blaine Gabbert. I think that Blaine Gabbert might be the worst quarterback in the league. Definitely the worst. Well, like, is he even starting anymore? He got supplanted by Chad Henney, I think, by the end of the season. <laughs> when Chad Henney beats you out, that's saying something. Yeah, about, I mean, MJD is still a, a good runner, um, but you don't really know how much time he has left. He's been carrying the load for so long. And what's his name? Blackman has some talent, but he's kind of a head case, too. So, and beyond that, there's not a lot there. It's pretty weak. I think that Bradley is going to have to make some moves and to have a really excellent first couple of drafts you know he's not going to last very long i actually had spoke with a seahawks fan that i know and he hated gus bradley this last year thought that bradley dialed up some really weird defensive calls that really didn't use the the defensive talent in seattle to its fullest potential i don't know a lot about that so i don't really want to comment on it but i thought he was a decent decent coach i'm just sort of saying from i guess an insider's perspective well isn't pete carroll's a defensive coach isn't he i believe so yeah yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll sort of has a defensive background, so. So, I mean, I guess well, going along with it, you have to question how much control Bradley had sure. over the defense as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, as the coordinator of what, it was a top three, top five defense in the league? Yeah, they were up there. This is one of the more proven guys, I think, at least with his NFL experience. A lot of the other guys have bounced around a lot. This guy at least has some continuity. He actually has he in, what, quite a Tampa bit. Tampa for a couple of years before he's at Seattle, and then he was the head coach at North Dakota State for like nine years. And they're, I mean, it's one double A, but they are one of the consistently best programs in one double A, and they have been for a very long time. Yeah, they, they won some titles there with him as the coordinator, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's he's got a history of sticking it out. He's been in Seattle for three years, kind of all the way through the rebuilding project. I think it's time for him to be a head coach. But as with any coordinator who goes to become head coach, you don't know exactly how much control they had. And so you have to wonder how much impact they're going to have on their new team. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know, though, if you're if you're Gus Bradley and you're in Seattle, they could threaten if Russell Wilson continues to get better. They could threaten to win the NFC the next couple of years. Yeah. You know, leave that to be the head coach of Jacksonville. That team may not even be Ugh. in Jacksonville in five years. No. Hopefully they'll still be on the continental United States. Oh, don't get me started on that. We don't. That's, again, another topic for another time. It does seem a little bit interesting for him to go ahead and leave that. I mean, obviously the money's going to be better and the prestige is... Even, being a head coach anywhere is still more prestigious than being a, a coordinator, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, opportunity. Mm-hmm transitioning from we've gone from several coaches that have not had very much head coaching experience to none to the most experienced head coach that was hired this offseason Andy Reid comes into Kansas City after they let go of Romeo Cornell I think this one I don't think it's my least favorite hiring but I just I don't think he's going to be successful that's just me Mike what do you think you know Andy Reid was a good coach in Philly for a long time and then the last few years between his personal stuff that kind of has made it into the news and his complete inability to call the end of a game. Um, he's sort of become a bit of a laughing stock amongst, you know, sports fans. Maybe the change of scenery will be nice for him. He's He was in Philly for 13, 14 years, and he just needed to get out, maybe. 
he's obviously been around, done it, done it at a high level for a long time. So I'm not going to be quick to say that Kansas City is making a really awful hiring, but you sort of know what you're getting with him already. There's not a lot of upside and Chiefs fans kind of need that upside. Like they've been dealing with Matt Castle and Romeo Cornell for a while. They sort of need that mysterious, like this guy could be amazing or he could be terrible. And Andy Reid does not bring that for them. Yeah, I think he hit the nail right on the head. He couldn't win the big one at Philly. So this hiring, I think, is is a safe hiring. I think it's one that fans will accept because of his track record. But it's not one that says we're trying to win a championship. Yeah, I think it's one that just says we're trying to find some sort of success. Yep. Kurt, what do you think? Yeah, they're shooting for a playoff bid. They haven't been since 06. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. So I agree that it seems like a pretty safe hire. I was Andy Reid, I think I would have taken a year off, two years off. I mean, he's been coaching for a long, long time. Yeah. And he clearly has a lot of issues off the field. I think if he had taken a year or two off, kind of regather the troops, then maybe he could have come back with some more fire. I mean, you could just tell that no one in Philly wanted to play for him. Yeah, that was a very talented team that just was awful last year. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with his lack of leadership in that locker room. So yeah, I think we all agree it's pretty safe hire, pretty boring hire. I feel bad for Kansas City fans because they just don't have a lot of sunlight out there. But let's go ahead and move on to the team that Andy Reid left. We're going to Philly. Andy Reid is out. Chip Kelly from Oregon is in. What do you think, Kurt? If I was an Eagles fan, I'd be very happy. I don't understand the move from Chip Kelly's standpoint. I don't know how you can leave a powerhouse that you've built, conference that's subpar. They were going to win that conference just about every year. They went into, what, four straight? BCS Bulls while he was there. It was quite a few. I don't know when you're the when you're the coach K of the Pac-10. I don't know why you why you leave to go to Philly, an extremely volatile situation. Yeah, I, I think that the allure there is that that roster is pretty much built for his offense right now. There's a lot of speed, a lot of offensive talent there. If if he manages to motivate those guys to play in his system at the pace that he tries to play them at. That is going to be a nasty offense to face. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's not going to be stoppable. You just have to hope that you can score more than them. But again, motivating college kids is a lot different than motivating adults, especially adult millionaires like NFL players are. It's happened in the past where college coaches... I mean, I think that the, the biggest transition for the, for the from college to the NFL in terms of being a coach is getting those guys to play for you. A lot of coaches come in and try the rah-rah atmosphere and it just doesn't work. And we'll see if Chip Kelly can can turn it around for Philly because, like I said, there that his style fits that roster very well. I do disagree with you, Kurt. That I mean, I I can see exactly why. Sorry, Blair shaking his fist at me. I think he was gonna gonna say this exact thing. Any football coach has got to want to go to the NFL, even if you're winning a bunch of BCS bowls in in college. The NFL is just you play in college, you play football, and then you're like, well, I don't really feel like going and playing in the NFL. It's the top of your profession. You want to be, everyone wants to be the best in their profession. And that's where, that's, I think that's why Chip Kelly is motivated. Yeah, I think uh, Mike, Mike stole all the points I was going to make. I'm sorry. I think Philly's <laughs> roster is set up for what Chip Kelly wants to do. I think the big question is quarterback. My attitude towards that is I think he's just going to milk it somewhere and then take a high draft pick next year. I like the matchup of Johnny Football. My brother criticized me. Teddy Bridgewater was the one that came to mind. I think he would be a good pick. As for the college thing, I think Mike's right. I think you want to advance, and I don't think you would find success in college football and not want to try the NFL. That's just my attitude. I think that's probably more so the rule than the exception as well. 
And as for the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever it is, I, I got to disagree. I think that competition has finally started to ramp up. I think Coach Shaw for Stanford is the real deal. Jim Mora had a really good year at UCLA, and USC is not going to be bad forever. I think Lane Kiffin is an absolutely terrible coach who I don't know how he continues to get jobs. He seems to do very little and continue to get high-profile jobs. But USC is USC, so that's just my that's just my attitude. Not to mention Rich Rodriguez is down in Arizona or Arizona State? Arizona. He's doing a good job down there yeah oh, wait maybe it's arizona state it's one of them yeah he's doing an excellent job down there though so and then you know pat not to not to continue to glorify the pac-12 but uh mike riley up at oregon, oregon state, state is a another good coach excellent too. coach yeah so they, there is some there is some good coaching up there and i think that yeah i'm with you blair so that's just my attitude but i i agree with mike i think that if he can figure out a way to get the guys to buy into his system i think that offense would be scary the defense, I think, is also a question, but I don't think Chip Kelly's really going to deal with it. I think it's on the front office to fix that. Yep. All right. Well, I think we've said, Kurt, you have anything else about Philly? No, I think we've talked about Chip enough. I mean, it's definitely one of the more interesting hires and one that everyone's going to have their eye on. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. All right, let's move on. We're going to go all the way out west, San Diego. North Turner is out. Mike McCoy is in. Do you have any thoughts on this one at all, Blair? You know, I don't have a problem with this hire. I don't think it's a bad hire. I'm not sure. I, you know, for what it's worth, early on in the Bears process, I really liked Mike McCoy. I know that he gets a lot of criticism because everyone's like, well, this year, I mean, how much did he really do? It was probably Peyton Manning. And I think that's true. Peyton Manning pretty much is his own offensive coordinator. I think the thing that people forget, and I know this surprised me, I knew he was the, the OC when Tim Tebow had his year, which I think is impressive enough. They flipped the offense for him. But the one that I forgot about is that he was the OC when Kyle Wharton was like the leading passer in the NFL. And don't get me wrong, he's a Purdue grad and I like him. I think he could start somewhere. I don't think he's just a backup, but that's still pretty impressive. He was thrown to Brandon Lloyd, who at that time was like, why is he still in the league? Right, right. So... I think that's a big deal, having someone that can kind of, as opposed to saying, here's my system, you need to fit it, try to maximize his players. And I think that's a huge deal going to San Diego, where Phillip Rivers has really struggled the past few years. I think they have talent. I think, for what it's worth, I think A.J. Smith is probably one of the better GMs. He does a pretty good job drafting, for for whatever reason, this roster, with all its talent, just struggles. Mm -hmm. I do think, and maybe I'm a little out here, you you take your opportunities where you can find them, but isn't it kind of frowned upon that he went from Denver to San Diego? Uh, yeah, you have the opportunities that you get. Yeah, I mean, if if uh, if Denver really wanted to keep him, they would have paid him more. I don't think it's necessarily frowned upon him. I think it's just you know it's unfortunate for Denver. I do like what you said about how he matches his offense to his players. I think Tim Tebow's a terrible quarterback, and you'll never convince me otherwise. But he, <laughs> that team did make the playoffs and win a game there. And then yeah, Kyle Orton is another example. Another interesting example. He's been he was with Carolina for a long time and he was the either the offensive assistant or the quarterback's coach when Jake DeLome went deep in the playoffs. And that's oh, that is saying a lot. Bowl. Yeah, they made the Super Bowl. He was there. Yeah, but and I think Jake DeLome is maybe worse than Tim Tebow. I think on the other <laughs> side of that though, how long was he there and they were just bad? Well, you know, they were competitive in the early 2000s, right? Unless I'm really remembering the that The Super Bowl, I think, was 04. I think it was the 04 season, 05 Super Bowl, I believe. It was one of the Patriots wins. Yeah. Um, maybe 03, 04. Yeah. But either way, I think Carolina was pretty competitive when he was there. Then then it sort of got bad for them. Um, and he left and went out to Denver. I mean, I'm not disputing that he did some decent things. I don't like Jake DeLome either, but... I'm just saying i think that's something else too i mean has he worked with roughly the same guys each time right because he was john fox was the coach in carolina for a real long time so it'll be interesting to see actually he may have left with john fox it was right around the same time 
So interesting. It'll be interesting to see what he does when he's not in familiar settings. I mean, sure. obviously, I'm assuming he can handle it, but still. Yeah. Kurt, what do you think? Yeah, Blair, you mentioned you know going to a division rival, but he only interviewed with Bears, Cardinals, the Bills, too, I think, and then the Eagles. And so the only two jobs that are better than San Diego then are Philly and Chicago. Yeah. And, and Chicago went with, with Trustman, and Philly got probably the, the best coach out of the ones that were hired. So then next pick, then it's got to be San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. There, and there's, I mean, San Diego has, has been rough. North Turner was a terrible head coach, but there's guys there. You know, Philip Rivers is not a fun guy to like listen to or watch or do anything with. Especially but... if you're a Colts fan. <laughs> I believe that the correct term is douchebag for Philip oh, Rivers. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, but he's talented. He is talented. And there's some there's some decent players there. Maybe you get old Norv out and Mike McCoy will have a chance to do something good. Just it's, the cupboard's not bare in San Diego at all. Just a quick note because you mentioned this at the top when we started talking about the hirings. Ken Wisenhut is his OC. Ooh, another another good coach is there. I think Ken Wisenhut will be back as a head coach for too long. Yeah, he did some great things at Arizona. Mm-hmm. That was interesting that two of the more troubled quarterbacks in the league. Rivers and Cutler both got head coaches who have a history of doing great things with quarterbacks on a short-term basis. And it's pretty clear that these guys were brought in to straighten up their, their starting quarterbacks yeah. and try to make a run. Oh, definitely. I think the, the issue with Rivers and Cutler is about the same thing. I think that they... They're I don't really think they, similar. I don't think they take direction very well. Yeah. Especially as a Bears fan, I can say from my perspective, the issue this year is that Cutler had the plays and he was like, nah, I'm just going to throw it to Brandon Marshall. <laughs> Which works about half the time. Well, I mean, he's 6'5", and Brandon Marshall is a physical specimen, so you can't complain. Well, I am complaining, but I mean, that was his game (laughs) plan. He's literally going to drop back and throw it to Marshall. Yeah. Well, we've talked about all the coaches. It's something coaching-related that I wanted to bring up really quick is the Rooney Rule, because there was a little bit of controversy about it this year. Not as much as in past years, but there still was some talk about it. Blair, do you want to give a quick rundown of it? Yeah, the Rooney Rule requires uh, NFL teams to interview at least one minority candidate for all head coaching and senior football positions. Does not apply to any other positions, including offensive and defensive coordinators. Okay, so the main candidates this year that we looked at were Lovey Smith was kind of the biggest name. Um, there were a couple other guys, too, right, that were... I think you got to throw in uh, Horton from from Arizona. He's mm-hmm. the D.C. And then I think with college coaches, I think if you're going to talk about minority coaches, I think the two big ones are Sumlin and Shaw from yeah. A&M and Stanford. Well, and Jim Caldwell, too, although... And that, and that name was thrown out a lot, but I completely understand why no one wanted to hire him. Yeah, I don't... I wouldn't want to have Jim Caldwell as my head coach. No. I don't want him on my coaching staff. No. Uh, well... I mean, he did, did just right. win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't think he won the Super he has Bowl. A, he, man, Jim Caldwell has two rings, right? Was he on yeah. the staff when the Colts won the first one? Yeah, he was bred to be the next coach. He technically has three. They well. do get those AFC Championship rings for that Super Bowl they lost. Okay, I meant Super Bowl rings. Still, Lane Kiffin is the worst about, coach. We're real rings here. We're not talking Buffalo rings. Real. Yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo rings. <laughs> That's the best name I've ever heard for I'm, AFC Championship rings. Or... That's what I'm going to call him. Tom Brady has two Buffalo rings. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. But yeah, I guess the the main guys were Horton, Smith, Shaw, and Sumlin. And let's just go down the list. I think that each one can be fairly easily debunked as far as why they didn't end up getting hired on. I mean, did Sumlin or Shaw even interview anywhere? I'm on a 
tackle this if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I do not think someone in Shaw interviewed anywhere. Uh, I actually would like to debunk all these from my own personal standpoint. You guys are welcome to disagree with me. Yeah, go for it. Um, with Lovey Smith, he was released with one year left on his contract, and I believe the actual rule is that if he gets hired on somewhere else, the Bears do not have to pay for him. And so he interviewed several places. I think he was in Buffalo, Philly. I think he did go to San Diego, but he mm-hmm. interviewed. And so I think what it came down to is he didn't find what he liked, so he decided to sit home for a year and earn five and a half million, I think is what was on his contract. Can't complain about that. No, no, absolutely not. With Horton, I think he was the best qualified candidate. Yeah. So I think maybe with the Rooney rule, you could probably bring up that he maybe got left out in the cold, but he was on a team that went five and 11. True. And so even though the defense was really good, that might be a bit of a hard PR sell. In my opinion, that's just me. And then with Sumlin and Shaw, I think they're both great coaches. Sumlin is a Purdue guy. Just want to throw that out there. But I wish we would have hired him. So bad. Uh, oh, that just makes me furious. It does. But with Sumlin, <laughs> he only did it one year. He, uh, I mean, he had some successful years at, at uh, Houston, but he's only been in A&M one year. So I think people want to see more. And this was Shaw's first year without luck. So mm-hmm. I think you just like to see a little more sustained success from both of them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think Shaw was really happy in Stanford. Yeah, bo- both Sumlin and Shaw have... kind of mutual. Yeah, both Sumlin... I want to interview him, and he was content staying at Stanford. Yeah, both Sumlin and Shaw, I believe, have, have some pretty hefty contract extensions. I think they're going to cut their teeth in the NCAA for a while longer. Both of them are, are young guys, uh, relatively, to coaches. So I think they can afford to stay in college for another four or five years, at least, and, you know, have a chance. Both of them have a chance at BCS Bowls, possibly title games, moving forward. So I think they were right, in fact, to stay yeah, uh, I mean, in, in the NCAA. How good does Stanford's chances look now with Kelly out at mm-hmm. Oregon? And then I know that Sumlin's in the SEC, but... That was their first year and yeah. with a freshman court. I mean, Johnny Football, great, great player. I don't see Sumlin leaving before football does. Before Manziel, but yeah. Yeah, I think that he's going to stay there as long as he's there and then maybe relook at things. Yeah, that could be another Doug Marone situation where Sumlin goes ahead and goes when... Uh, Manziel does, and they maybe end up going to the same team. That'd be interesting. So it's like the anti-Jim Harbaugh. Like he's <laughs> Harbaugh was like, all right, forget you, Luck. I'm going to go ahead and go to the NFL right now. I mean, you can't complain, though. Look what no, he's done. No, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. But it's it's just funny that he's Harbaugh just doesn't do it like anyone else does. Double ironic that he did go to the Colts, which is where Harbaugh was. Right, right. To replace the guy that replaced him. Yep. Wow, weird. A little bit, a little bit. Small world in the NFL, I guess. So we've gone through, Kurt, you have any thoughts on the Rooney rule or any of the coaching hires or non-hires, uh, I guess? I was just wondering what Blair thought about Lovey Smith taking a year off. If he, if he thinks anything like Andy Reid possibly needing a break, you know, some people talked about him taking a year or two off to kind of recoup a little bit. Do you think there's anything to that too for Lovey Smith? No, I, I don't think it had to do with anything personal. I think he interviewed and, and didn't find what he liked and just decided, well, I'm going to get paid to be, I think what it was is that he didn't like the head coaching jobs he was interviewed for, and I don't think he wanted to be a DC while he could sit and get paid for being a head coach, basically. Yeah. I think he's, for what it's worth, I know he had a lot of success, and I'm a Bears fan. I think he's a tough hire, too, because he's going to implement the cover, too, which I know a few teams use, but not a lot do. It takes specific personnel. Yeah. And two, the offense is a question as well. He brings in his own guys. He brings in his friends, and it's kind of an issue. Yeah, it definitely could be, but... In the right system, I think he could be an excellent coach. I think you're right. His his personal life is much more in order than Andy Reid's was. I don't. I mean, maybe he takes a year off and recharges, spends it with the kids or whatever. But I don't think that he necessarily needed that year. He's just taking it because if you could sit at home and make five and a half million dollars, would you go to work? 
Absolutely not. No chance. So I think that there's a lot of it to that too. So yeah, I think we've gone over most of what we wanted to talk about today. Anyone else have any final thoughts on any of what we what we said? I think we got to pick our surprise teams. Oh, right. Maybe right. like best and worst hire? Yeah, let's do it. Kurt, give us a best hire and a worst hire. Which fan bases do you think have the most to look forward to and the least to look forward to this year? That's tough. I, I like Philadelphia's hire. I think, I think Chip Kelly can do well there. I don't necessarily like it from his standpoint, but I think Philly fans have something to look forward to because they've got a lot of pieces there and now a coach to go with it. And as for a worst hire, I, I'm going to go with Jacksonville. Okay. But it, it's going to be hard to, to like someone gonna be, who's going to come into that position. I mean, there's not a lot there. Yeah. Not a lot to be happy about. All right. So since you've named those two teams, I want you to give a super preliminary record for the two of them. Like Philly to go 10-6 and six and get a wild card. Wow. Wow. That is supreme confidence. And Jacksonville 3-13 and 13 for Ooh. Jacksonville. Okay. Is that an improvement on this year? No. It is. Is it? They went 2-14 and 14 <laughs> this year? Yeah, they're 2-14. and 14. Wow. Boom. Making progress. And they beat the Colts. Moving. Oh. And the best part is no one cares because no one watches Jacksonville games. No one goes to Jacksonville right. games. Anyways, Blair, give me a best hire or worst hire and give me records with them. Okay. I think that Chip Kelly is the most interesting hire. Mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of tough. I think the best hires are probably Chicago and San Diego. I think that you have talent at both places. You just need the right coach. I'm going to pick Chicago out of bias. <laughs> Fair enough. I know they have a really tough schedule. I don't know it off the top of my head. I'm going to be realistic, like 9-7, and seven, I think, and miss the playoffs, I think. I don't think they're going to get in this yeah, year. Yeah, that's a tough division. Worst hire, I, I kind of agree with Kurt. I think that it's hard to like anybody going to Jacksonville, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Kansas City just to be different. Okay. I actually was going to go there too, but... My bad. Give me uh, a record. <laughs> I just want to throw a quick sub point there uh, for my brother as well. My brother really likes the matchup of uh, Geno Smith and Andy Reid, comparing okay. it to Donovan, Donovan McNabb. McNabb. Yeah. yeah. Um, they have talent. I think that Mike McCoy will be successful in Denver's in that division, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what's going to go on in Oakland, so I'm going to go with like 6-10. and 10. Okay. Wow. In Kansas City. Yeah, I think that I think that Kansas City. I mean, I believe they were terrible. They were terrible this year, but they had like seven Pro Bowlers. They have talent. They just oh, have yeah. terrible coaches. Yeah. All right. My best hire. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Mike McCoy as the best hire. I like. I think that he's gonna gonna turn it around in San Diego. I actually think that San Diego could win that division next year. It'll be tough against Denver, but I'm gonna have them going ten and six, eleven and five. If they don't win, they'll be close in that division. Worst hire, in terms of being a fan of the of the franchise, I'm going to say that the worst hire is, is in Kansas City. Like I said, when we were talking directly about them, there's no not much hope there. And Kansas City fans are pretty pretty tortured. And Andy Reid does not bring a whole lot of mystique in with him. Um, I think he could be he could have limited success, but that's kind of his ceiling is limited success. Maybe a playoff bid every once in a while. I have them going probably seven and nine next year and obviously missing the playoffs. But yeah, I think that's, that's like their ceiling is like maybe nine and seven in their best year with Andy Reed. I also think that Cleveland is, I don't, I think Cleveland fans are just so used to being beaten down that Rob Chudzinski isn't going to disappoint them, but he's certainly not going to make them feel wonderful about themselves either. So yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard to feel any worse about your team than they do now. That's very true. I think it's hard to feel any worse about their sports franchises. All of them. Well, actually, I like what they're doing in Cleveland with uh, the Cavs. I yeah. really, really do. But again, another podcast, hopefully soon. I love basketball, 
and I cannot wait to talk about basketball teams. Because LeBron James is going back to Cleveland. Right, in 2015. I said this when... (laughs) This is another podcast, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this up for today. It's been great. Hopefully you've been enjoying what we're saying. We're going to sign off here. It's been another week for the Triple Option. I'm Blair Gunther. Mike Monday. And Kirsten Baker. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.